Welcome to the Light Heart Collective Podcast. I'm Kirsty. And I'm Sarah. This podcast is designed by creatives, it's designed for creatives, and it's designed to help you become inspired to be more creative. Join us as we have light-hearted conversations with creatives where we'll explore their backgrounds, their inspirations, their triumphs, and of course, their challenges. We're going to uncover the stories behind their creations, the passion that fuels their soul, and the unique perspectives that make our creative landscape so vibrant. So, get ready to be inspired, get ready to be moved, and to be transported into the world of art and creativity in the Southwest. We are really excited that you're here, aren't we, Kirsty? We sure are, Sarah. Let's get started. Okay. Hi, everyone. Um, we would like to officially introduce you to the amazing Bianca Todd, a wonderful photographer. Um, her, I, I keep talking about colour palette, but her colour palette and her way to capture things is just amazing. So... I'm really excited to interview you, and Sarah, you have a personal connection with Bianca, don't you? Yes, we were just talking about that before, so I have known Bianca, well, for 13 years now, isn't it, Bianca? So welcome to our podcast. Thank you. (laughs) I'm a little bit embarrassed that I'm here because um, it's funny, I think a lot of creatives have that feeling of, um, this isn't a real job, what would you want to talk to me about what I'm doing? (laughs) So um, yeah, I think that um, I'm chuffed that yeah. that I'm here and I uh, amongst good company and congratulations <laughs> of um starting such a great podcast it's yeah. exciting yeah like it's been it has been really good and you're right lots of people in the creative world do think about that a little bit like think like that um but also I think yeah when the when the light comes shining back on you personally it's like oh <laughs> Gosh, yeah. I have lots to talk about. That's what keep me on track because yeah. it might move from photography to gosh knows all the things oh, no, I'm we, dealing with in life in general. Yeah, but we want to cover all of it. So. It's, that's, that's real life though and I really think that what we're able always to capture and what we want to capture is that is the real life of being a creative and that, you know, we're not all superheroes who can just be switched on creatively 100% all the time. We have our own stuff going on and like I think everyone, when they connect with a creative or an artist, they just want to create connect with the actual person as well and know the story yeah, behind yeah. it. And, and that's what we've been finding yeah. more and more. And I think Bianca as well, for those of you um, who are listening, Bianca and I worked together years ago at the Yelling Up Gallery. So one thing that I remember from that time was that people were so fascinated by the artist's story. Like mm-hmm. you could say, oh, yeah, he told me that when he was painting this, you know, the bushfires were raving somewhere or, you know, there was some little personal bit of information. You could see people's light, eyes light up and they were like, oh, that's amazing, you know, and they yeah. had a connection to the piece. So I think being able to talk to artists and find out a little bit about them as people is really important. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, thank you for having me. Well, you've got a really good eye. I mean, obviously looking at your work, but looking at your house as well. You're a bit of an art collector. Um, I am, did yes. That, did that start then? So for for everyone, we, we might just backtrack a little bit mm-hmm. and get a bit of your backstory because I know that you didn't start off as a creative as such. You've had a bit of a journey and, and we were just saying before that that kind of takes a whole winding path as yeah, well. So maybe you can just right. share Yeah, I can definitely explain. So... Um, so my name's Bianca. My um, business um, runs under the name Bianca Kate Photography. Um, but prior to becoming a photographer, I actually left high school like most of us um, do and think, I don't know what I'm going to be. <laughs> I think, um, going back to the creative side of things, I think I'd always been someone that had been drawn to creative fields. Like I loved always drawing growing up. I um, did art at high school as like, then it was called TE, so yeah, I did TE yeah. art, but I wasn't, um, I loved doing it, probably because I loved chatting to people, but I certainly <laughs> wasn't being singled out as, you've got a career as an artist, yeah, and yeah. I think Your I was always type. quite realistic about that. I loved being part of the scene, but I didn't necessarily have the same skill that other people had, so yeah, I yeah. think I I actually got into university um when you have to pick and I my first preference was actually interior design oh, and okay. at the time I had people say to me oh I don't know if that's a real job like it's oh. um you know maybe you should do something that will be easier to get a job so then I 
you know, I didn't, I wasn't that passionate. I was something I liked because I like yeah. moving things around in my room and I thought, oh, that sounds like a fun, you know, I'd constantly. I could paint some walls here. I still like that. Yeah, I'm, you know, I love moving furniture around. Anyway, I thought that's what interior design was. So, yeah, a few, not just my parents, but I think people like, have yeah. a think about what could you get a job in. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I ended up doing a health science degree and I was very average at science and maths at school so luckily the degree I sort of focused on was health promotion so it was actually um like social marketing is what I sort of communication it was yeah Yeah. in the health field so my first jobs um were incredible I worked for the heart foundation and Mm -hmm. I worked with a lot of other young women like me doing health messaging so I worked on um like the smarter than smoking project I my job took me to Geraldton and I worked on an active kids program and I really loved um, mm. that job. I thought, oh, I've done the right thing and I'm good at it. And um, then Dion and I, and our, uh, Dion's my husband, in our early 20s before we were married, we did a trip around Australia and um, we sort of, yeah, worked in different jobs doing that travelling and mm. sort of outside of my field and I picked fruit for a while and then I go back to working in my field and we came back from those travels back to WA about three years later and I got a job with St John Ambulance and um, it was still in the communications field but I had gone back to uni and done um, my master's in public relations Mm -hmm. and I got a job with St John Ambulance as their public relations manager and um, it was the most stressful, um, challenging job I have ever done, which I look wow. back now and I think, oh, that was great. Good learning. It was experience. great learning experience. I was, yeah, it was for a young person. I dealt with things that I don't think I was quite equipped to probably deal yeah, with. I, yeah. I started that job in the week that I started Four Corners ran a story oh, on the ambulance service and it was not in a praising sort of way. Oh, no. And my job as their PR person was to deal with that and, yeah. and support. Yeah, and then the fallout from that. And so that was a really stressful job and I really questioned what I was working in and I was, yeah, quite miserable looking back. And at the same time, Dion and I um, bought the house that we live in now and we ended up moving down here and I resigned from that job. Um, Still worked in the health field down here, got a job with a division of general practice and at the same time I... Got a job two days a week in a gallery, and I don't. I must have seen it just advertised. It was Yelling Up Gallery, yeah, and Sarah yeah. <laughs> worked there. I must have seen it advertised, and there was probably a part of me that always yeah. called towards wanting to go in, back into that mm-hmm. creative space. And I think and maybe I think back then, Bianca, that ad was probably in the local newspaper. It was like, in the local in print. Yes, <laughs> it was. That's a thing that used to it happen. It was a thing. <laughs> yes, and I remember I had that interview, and I. Didn't have any gallery experience, but I yeah knew what I um yeah what I liked yeah yeah what I loved um and yeah so I ended up working there um and probably what I failed to mention is the photography side of it. Uh, Photography for me um always and growing up I had a I would borrow my parents' camera and I was that person that always took photos. But that's as much as it was. I just loved taking photos did you do any photography at school no No, didn't no I wasn't at my high school so no photography so I didn't yeah I just always had a camera but it would have been set to auto yeah and I was the person at a party that loved taking photos that everyone would say go away put your camera away and it was back then where you would have had to go and get your film developed and um so anyway we moved down south I was still taking happy snaps and that's absolutely all it was Um, just before we had moved down, we had also got married and I had been quite interested in my wedding photographer's job. Yeah. I do actually remember a bit of this story from when I met. So I had just got married. Yeah. So I was, yeah, interested in my wedding photographer's job and thought, wow, I can't believe you get paid to do this. What a great job. And I remember chatting to her about it and she said, oh, if you ever want a second shoot for me, you're welcome to. And I was like, oh my God, you're brave to offer it but I think I was in that whole wedding land that I was like yeah I'd love to do that for you one day anyway nothing really happened with that moved down south um got a job at a gallery loved that loved being around creatives and then at the same time I took her up on the offer of actually shooting a wedding with her and I really loved it and um yeah so I shot that wedding and then I shot quite a few with her at the same time as working at the gallery 
And then I took the plunge to try and shoot a wedding on my own and that's sort of how I fell into photography and while still working, I um, all of a sudden got busy really quickly with people asking me to shoot their weddings and so I resigned from the gallery and I took the plunge to start up my own business. Jumped right in. Jumped right in. So was that photographer... Did she sort of mentor you you over that period or were you doing courses? Like how did you go yeah. from someone that took up? You made that sound very simple. I did make that sound very simple. And you know what? I think there was definitely a degree of luck in that. She, Her explaining to me, she is one of the most incredible um, photographers. And What's her, her name? Her name's Sam Blake. She's now based in New York and is yeah, one of the world's most renowned photographers. Wow. And because I always had an appreciation for photography, when I was looking for a wedding photographer my, for myself, I was looking for somebody who was very documentary and it had a quite an artistic quality yes, to it. Yeah. And in Western Australia at the time, there wasn't many of those. But yeah, okay. there was, yeah, this um, amazing lady, Sam, when I, she was a couple of years younger than me actually and she grew up in Albany and um, she was amazing and, yeah, she had never seen one of my photos and her words to me, and thank God she hadn't because they were bad, like I, <laughs> they were definitely not amazing, but her words to me about wedding photography was she didn't want to have someone working with her that thought they knew everything or had their own style. She wanted to almost be able to teach someone. like yeah. it's of, And somebody that you could get along with. Yeah. And, um, and someone that can handle the, the guests and, and yeah. that whole sort of people side of it, I'm sure. That's which you're, it. I mean, you're a very experienced. I love a here, chat. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, no, that was, the, for me, I think that's how I probably got into it. Not yeah. Definitely not based on my technical skill, um, but more so that um, I'm a people person and that yeah. is, was a really big part of wedding photography. And, yeah, I did make that sound quite simple that I shot a couple of weddings <laughs> yeah. and I ran my own business. And a world-class photographer. Yes, and and she that was that. did <laughs> and I was, I'm so lucky she did because I learned the right way really quickly of how Are she you worked. Are you Sam? Yeah, oh, she's moved so nice. overseas. But, yeah, we've, I follow her work still yeah. and um, she has been incredible at mentoring quite a few West Australian photographers now. So she had yeah. quite a pool of people she would use as her second shooters. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them were my friends and yeah, yeah. so that oh, was a great amazing. way to get into it. And then I invested in, um, being, well, I'm self-taught in photography and being mentored by people like her, but then I did all the courses and I yeah. invested the money over a few years before I took the plunge and felt confident yeah. in myself. And that was more to get all the technical side of it. Yeah. And run your, yeah, run a business and, and the technical side of um, photography yeah. and I think um, what what was explained to me is with photography anybody can learn the technical yeah. aspect of it really it's not rocket science and it, I'm that side of it is probably my weakness I don't mm. people want to chat to you about what sort of camera do you use and all the technical and that's not me I just I just need a camera that will take what I can see in my head that I want to create yeah. and so I do things you're quite framing simple. kind of memories the whole time yeah. when you're doing a wedding for t- um, shoot. I yes. suppose that's what you're doing. And then, yeah. 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 You're creating pictures the whole time. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So, yeah, that's sort of how I fell into my business. And um, that was around 2010. I probably started that second shooting. And, yeah, um, yeah I've been – I've sort of stopped working at the gallery and in public health ever since. Yeah. Yeah, I've – been and really just, just doing photography. Just doing yeah. photography. And in the last sort of two years or really 12 months, yeah, my ventures have sort of changed a little bit again. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah, still photography is the, the brunt of my business. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Me and Sarah just <laughs> took an inward breath then to both ask a question at the same time. My turn. <laughs> no, I was letting Kirsty have a turn. I was giving my... Yeah. <laughs> um, so obviously having photography as your business... Um, as a person I think a lot of artists can relate or any creative can relate that you still have to make some bread and butter money to keep it all going now being working so closely with people all the time and I know for a fact that weddings are very can be very highly stressful situations too 
So how did you manage to keep that momentum going, but also find some time for creativity for yourself? Like, how did you manage to do that? Yeah, and I think that was one of the things with wedding photography um, that was really difficult because mm -hmm. that particular genre of photography is all-consuming. And it's funny, I didn't really know about the worlds of photography before I started it, but I learned really quickly um, that traditionally wedding photographers were probably seen as like not real photographers mm. um, when in fact I think wedding photographers what they do I think um, it's incredibly um, challenging at times and you have to have a really broad skill set to be able to do wedding mm -hmm. photography well and to be able to stay in that industry and not get burnt out and be able to be all the things that you need to be as a wedding photographer and, and to do it well is takes a lot of commitment and I think the people that have stayed in it and continue to be really good in it at it and, and make really good careers out of it um, a lot is sacrificed to do that and I don't think people necessarily understand that so um, before we started recording I sort of touched on some of the yeah the challenges of working in it and um and there are many, but I think one of them is that you book so far in advance, so your life's almost put on hold. You know, people mm. say, oh, I've booked my venue and what's the next thing, right? We've booked our photographer. And mm -hmm. it's really flattering to get a call and someone wants to book you and that's what how you've marketed your business. And so you pop it in your calendar for two years down the track and then that rolls around and you think, God, <laughs> why did I say yes to that? Or yeah now I'm tied to that or we can't all go on a family holiday together because mm -hmm. I've committed the whole of our summer holidays to all these weddings yeah. and so and it would have taken you a while to kind of get that you know like you're already a few years in to get that understanding yeah that. it really was and at, in the beginning it was great um I started it before we had kids so it was um a great it yeah. was you know it was great I loved it, it didn't matter that I was shooting every weekend um, then when I had the kids, you know, you take a step back and you, you take, it's funny, I look back, I didn't really take much time off at all. I just mm. kept going and, um, we just made it work around young children. And it was, it actually was a really great job until it wasn't. And yeah. I think like all things, it was, it, I loved it until probably, um, for about a year before I got out of it, I, I really knew that I needed a change and I wasn't enjoying it anymore. And it was quite an exit plan because people had booked in advance mm -hmm. and um, you had to honour those bookings. And I wanted to honour those bookings. Mm. But I think, um, like all jobs, it's really good to know when your time's up. And I exited it being still... Um, I wasn't totally bitter with the industry, but that's how I definitely felt I was You were heading going that way. I was stage. really heading yeah. that way. And even over the, you know, from when I started doing it in 2010 to when I finished in around, I think I finished just before COVID started, mm -hmm. um, there had been a lot of changes in the industry mm -hmm. in that time. And um, that was a large part for me was, um, yeah, the change probably with as social media grew, the effect that that had on um, photography and expectations of clients mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. weddings just, not all weddings because I there were, there are some weddings that I would shoot 100 times over. Mm -hmm. They were genuinely what you would expect a wedding should be about and that's love and family and not all the fluff that comes with it. And yeah. I think <laughs> um, as, I, as I got more renowned in you know, I never was short of bookings. I was, yeah, I did, I did well at my job. But with that came a higher end type mm -hmm. of wedding and with that came higher expectations mm -hmm. and pressures. And, mm -hmm. you know, I remember once I had somebody tell me they'd spent $30,000 on their flowers and I, I needed just... to make sure that I'd photographed them properly to show. And I just remember thinking, this is madness. Like... Mm. I can't believe that they've just said that to me and somehow that they've spent this ridiculous amount of money on flowers. It's my job to be able to, in these small little windows you have on a wedding day, to be able to capture that mm -hmm. for somebody and make sure, justify why they've spent that kind of money importing these orchids from Singapore because they're out of season here. And it was in moments like that that I just thought, this isn't me. This it's kind is, of... 
it's not aligning yeah. with where you really naturally yeah. it's like being yourself. in an alternate universe like well and I do understand where you're coming from with that expectation and I was yeah. only hairdressing where so I'm, I was only there for you know a few hours whereas you would be there for the whole day documenting yeah. from start to finish yes you see that's a lot going. Yeah. That's oh, going good. I, I think we've got a few stories to tell I could that. write some incredible yeah. books let's and collaborate yeah we should oh my gosh and, and behind the scenes <laughs> and it's funny I love that side of it. I loved that because it, you got this little similar to how you enjoy going and having a look into artists little spaces they yeah, create yeah. Mm-hmm. I loved being welcomed into other people's worlds and having this camera where I could go and document people and, and the sort of photography that I, wedding photography that I was doing was quite candid and so yes, yeah. you were a bit of a fly on the wall and you got to see these most interesting dynamics of families which I personally find really interesting. Yeah, It yeah. was, um, I think when social media came about, people's, and I almost saw it happen really quite quickly, mm. a sense of body dysmorphia. So you would deliver your photos and you might get contacted, and it often wasn't the bride, it might be the bridesmaid, and say, I don't know what lens you used, but um, it's made me look fat. And it's like, you know, they looked incredible. And I couldn't believe somebody was ringing me to tell me that, that the piece of my equipment made them look mm. fat. But it was because they were living in a world where any photos of themselves, they could highly edit it, they could take it from yeah. angles that they knew. Mm. So if I'm taking a photo of them behind that's might not be their, their best angle, angle that they, they don't see themselves at that yeah, angle. Yeah. And, you know, we all can be critical, but it took away from my art to be, yeah. to have, like, yeah, and brides um, pick yeah. themselves apart mm. because they hadn't lost enough weight and so could I Photoshop them or I had somebody get oh. featured in a magazine and they paid a digital editor huge amount of money to shrink their dress size down for the it took photos to go into print in a magazine so that even though that's not what they look like I've been stunned into silence like I'm I'm quite shocked by that I mean I I'm well aware that that's around and out there but that people are going to those lengths yeah those lengths and it's yeah no and I think that um and that's not all weddings but I somehow became I was shooting more of those types of weddings than I had ever before. So rather than having one odd thing like that in a wedding season, I might have been having quite a few. Yeah. And it's quite taxing on you. And and the other thing with weddings that was really difficult was once you're committed and people pay you really good money for, you know, weddings photography, you, you'll always hear people say, oh, God, the wedding photographers, they get paid so much. And I really think that um, if people understood what, commitment good photographers make to be there um there's been times where my kids had been sick and had to go to hospital and they weren't sick that they were on their deathbed but they were still had to be taken to hospital and I'd be at a wedding and I couldn't leave the wedding to go to my own kids because I can't just leave these people on this day they've booked two years in in advance and so you would put your clients above everything everything else. else unless it was life or death and so you'd have you carry a lot of as the kids as things happen with the kids and they were affected it was quite I, it, you know I would constantly question like is this the right thing to yeah. do that I wasn't there at the hospital when the kids got yeah. sick or um I had to shoot a wedding on the day that my grandmother died so I got a call to say my grandmother had died and I was going to a wedding in two hours and oh. I just um you can't cancel on somebody at so last minute so you have to put aside all your own grief and I remember this particular wedding they were the most lovely people but I struggled that whole day to go near the grandparents at the wedding because I just knew I was on the verge of tears and it was something that you couldn't even say to people I'm a little bit off today because I've just had this happen because you don't want to ruin you don't want people on their best day one of their best days of their life so there's a lot of those things that are the behind the scenes part of running a wedding photography business that mm-hmm. is this huge commitment and you feel this real weight on your shoulders. Pressure, yeah, that's yeah. constantly there. It's constantly yeah. there and you, I just felt like I'd really struggled to ever really relax. I'd always be thinking. I think there was lots thinking, of days where you were pushing through your own health, oh, like yeah. being unwell and yeah, things like I've that. Yeah, I've shot wedding. Oh my gosh, I've got some. 
funny stories with that. <laughs> but yeah, I have shot weddings with gastro. Oh, actually, this is a, oh, we'll tell this. This is a funny one. Yeah, I could write a book on my own of terrible things that have happened. But one, I got flown to Melbourne to shoot this wedding, and they were lovely. But I was in the middle of nowhere that I knew, and I woke up. I'd ordered Uber Eats, which I was so excited about because can I get that down here? And I was like, (laughs) yes, I'm going to order this Uber Eats. Anyway, I did. It was great. I would have eaten way too much of this pasta that I – anyway, I got food poisoning. Oh, no. And I was not feeling well, but I was like, I'm in Melbourne, so I don't even have my own close photography contacts and – uh, let's just say I had to stop for an emergency change of pants on the way to the wedding. Oh, gosh. And I was like, you can't, I can't believe I've said that on the podcast. But anyway, it's true. We're being honest. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is the real thing. This, this is the is real, the real thing. Yeah. So thank God Melbourne has shops everywhere because I was like, oh, my gosh, this is like terrible. But anyway, you push through, you get through it. And I remember I felt so, so sick. Like I just. Oh, I felt terrible. And it doesn't happen very often, but at that particular wedding, that was so lovely. They'd seated me at the ta- at the reception. They'd seated me at a table with all the aunties and uncles. And it was like this degustation. So all these meals kept coming out. And I was oh, sat God. there and they're like, we don't want you to take photos. We just want you to enjoy your meal. And I just couldn't <laughs> stomach anything. Anyway, I pushed through. I did it. And oh, then- wow. I think yeah. that's above and beyond. Yes, no. Respect. But there is, an, yeah, I think most wedding photographers I know, they have similar stories. Mm. It is one of those jobs that yeah. um, it's a lot. So when it came time for me to exit, it's um, it was the right decision. And I left, yeah, before I became bitter with the industry. And, and yeah, it, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, well, you, you you do have some stories to tell. <laughs> yes, I do. But, but so now where do you find yourself with your photography? Like you did the weddings for quite a long time. You and... pushed yourself to the limits <laughs> too. Like yeah. how were you not sick of photography at that point? Did you have time off? I didn't or... really, no. And that was the thing. I always loved photography mm-hmm. throughout, but the focus was very much weddings. That's pretty much all I had time for. Um, I did a few little projects in amongst that to try to keep myself inspired. Um, but I knew I wanted to stay in photography, but I wanted to explore other genres. And I sort of fell then into doing commercial photography in the southwest here and I suppose I shoot all sorts of things. As mm. people come to you and you say yes and then you shoot something and you go, oh, that wasn't for me but I've tried it now. And yeah. I found at the moment the area that I'm really inspired by is interior I saw that. photography. Yeah. yeah, so I'm doing a lot more of that, working with interior designers. So it's funny. It's You've come in a circle like me. It's come full <laughs> circle. circle. It is. So yeah. I'm sort of, um, yeah, I'm doing a lot of that. I and shoot... isn't it funny how we do come back to those like it's still there somewhere you know that little thing of maybe being an interior designer you yeah know, like you, you have done that and it does relate a lot to one of your your other big projects that you've yes it does that's it so and I think having yeah the space to without the weddings I did take a little bit of time to think what do I want to do um and so it was yeah commercial photography mm-hmm. which isn't as busy there might be weeks that I shoot four clients in a week and then this week I haven't shot at all so mm-hmm. it's less um it's less reliable you don't really know and how it often will work is people will ring you and say can we photos for tomorrow yeah and you'll go okay I can make that work <laughs> or you can't um and it's fine I can work it around kids school my husband works two weeks on two weeks off mm-hmm. so it's a nice I can strike a good balance I mm-hmm. can be mum for my boys who are both still in primary school mm-hmm. um and I can run my business and shoot for the clients, yeah, that I enjoy shooting for. So I have a lot of repeat clients, <clears throat> like some wineries, local businesses that mm. I work for. And so, yeah, it's really enjo- that's really enjoyable. And in amongst all that time, I also started looking at other investment business opportunities. And my husband and I recently bought a 40-year-old A-frame um, little cabin in Denmark. I'm so glad you're bringing this up because yeah. I've been waiting to ask you about <laughs> all about this. Yeah, so I feel like this is really where all my creativity's gone yeah. recently. Um, so yeah, 12 months ago we bought. I kind of twisted Dion's arm and um, I 
always, I think it's that thing of always being into, um, I've always loved houses and, mm. and interior design. Um, and I was shooting a lot of holiday houses down here and I thought, gosh, there's this, there's this amazing opportunity to create unique holiday stays mm. um, that I just was seeing a lot of people with their holiday houses. They do the same sort of thing of like, oh, I've got this house, let's fill it with Kmart furniture and whatever's in vogue. I haven't really thought about what the story of the house is. Yeah. And I yeah. just thought, oh, wouldn't it be fun to be able to do that? And um, with the way that real estate works in the southwest where we are, I thought, oh, I kind of can afford to buy another house mm-hmm. down here. Um, and I stumbled across this little old A-frame that had – Come up for sale and got it for a bit of a bargain. And was it a renovator's dream? It was a reno- <laughs> yeah, I don't know, dream or nightmare, nightmare probably. But I was, I'm a little bit optimistic with everything, and we can do it, and um, yeah. and we have done it. But yeah, it was, um, it was quite a project. So was it a total? I haven't seen any before photos. I don't. Think. Oh, oh no, maybe, maybe they are. There's a are few. They are on, on oh, they might be on our Instagram. Yeah, so it's called Deep South Denmark. Mm-hmm. Um, it went on to Airbnb in March, um, and yeah, it was a forty-year-old A-frame with this little add-on that had never got approved by council that was really a carport that had been enclosed and <laughs> we yeah we're really lucky that we had a chippy down there who kind of took the project on and did all the things to bring it up to um, building codes and yeah. standards oh that's good um, and it was a chance for me to really do something with a property that I would maybe not be game to do at home but um yeah make it quite a unique holiday stay and sort of honour the era and, yeah, have a chance to play with that interior design that I have always loved Mm -hmm. to do. It would have been so much fun sourcing everything. It really was. (laughs) And I really had quite a tight budget because the renovating part of it, the boring stuff like the Mm. plumbing and the electrical stuff that I'm like, oh, I'll just fix that, not realising that's an expensive fix. So my interior budget just... Kept dropping. Kept dropping when I'd be like, oh, my God. Um, and numbers are not my thing, whereas Dion, my husband, is an engineer and he was oh, very, yeah, so he's like, very on to our man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you spending this oh, on? Anyway, I did. I had this little budget and I ended up – it was amazing because I got to be creative in how I sourced furniture. So I bought the bulk of the furniture through the marketplace mm-hmm. yeah. um, and I spent more money. I spent – the money that I spent was on – Things that I wanted to feel nice for people. So some really unique, beautiful linen, um, tiles, things that made the house a little bit mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, saw some beautiful furniture that it's amazing what you can find that people are selling. Well, and I think as well, though, from the photos I've seen, you've taken things that, that someone might just scroll past on Marketplace and go, what do I need that? Yes. That coffee table. What's yeah. that coffee table in the There's house? This amazing green marble <laughs> the coffee table. The green marble t- yeah. coffee table. I saw that and I was like, it looks so amazing the way you put it in there. Yeah. In that room. It looks incredible. But I can imagine someone scrolling past that on oh, Marketplace going, oh my, gosh. oh my gosh, that was something that it. Some... I showed my mum and she was like, oh God. <laughs> People had those in the 70s, yes. Bianca. Oh, we. Why would you but want you're that? not putting it on the brown shag pile pump no. and you know with your mustard laminex, like you're doing something different. With yes. It. So yeah, I and think... that was really fun. And I think there is a lot of creativity that can go in there. And I've since had a lot of people say to me, like, "How did you, how did you know to go find? Like, how did you know that would work?" And I think that's something that either that's just how my brain works. A little bit in the same as how I take photos, that you know where to stand or you it's just how you see the world and yeah that's something that is more difficult to be taught that's yes. something that you have in you or yeah. you don't and that's you've got an eye yeah, yeah that's exactly. and now all of us have got an eye in different ways but it's how you honor what you how yeah. you see the world and it was but nice also I think it's making a few of those brave choices like those little um you know from what I've seen I do want to go and actually you both experience day. Yes, <laughs> no, you worry. We're planning. Oh, good. Yeah. Yes, please do. We'd love to. 
but you know just a few unexpected combinations and things like that that are actually really visually pleasing and interesting yeah so. and I think um you know there's things that I that I went oh I wouldn't do that at home because I would maybe get sick of it whereas yeah. in a holiday house um I think the thing that people I would the pe- the reaction when people open the front door and go in and it's often all the same like from tradies that have walked in <laughs> to your neighbours who are coming for a sticky beak to guests that are staying and they're like, oh, wow, this is really cute. And then <laughs> yeah, as so people different. go, oh, wow, look at this. And I thought, oh, that's a really nice, yeah. um, that's what I wanted. I didn't want to create something that was like everything else. Yeah, because you can stay in that all the time. Like you do want something yeah. quite memorable when you're having a little mini mini holidays that's right yeah and the whole shape of an a-frame is so unique and and not really livable you know there's quite a challenging not a practical yeah (laughs) Dion City said many times on walls (laughs) because he's tall and you know pushing furniture up against those angles and um you know being a photographer I have all these amazing um photos that I've had wanted to put in the house and really use it as a a place to share some of my art until I realised that hanging things <laughs> on the angle looks really shit or is not practical. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. so there's all these like the you know these huge ceilings that you really can't put art on them. Yeah. Um, oh, so I that was a challenge. Yeah. yeah. So did you go for a few more like ceramic pieces and sculptures? So <laughs> yes, and well, so on ceramics, that's another oh. of my little creative outlets. So the um. The A-frame has become the dumping ground for all my wonky ceramics. And I I think that, you know, we touched on stopping photography and did I have a – stopping the wedding photography and did I have a chance to, you know, think about things. And I did want to put my camera down for a little bit mm-hmm. and I did. And that's when I enrolled myself in a pottery class with um, Sally at Claylines, who yeah. is – I'm sure she's coming lots of people yeah yeah she already mentioned i think hi sally you need to get sally on yes (laughs) she's amazing um i i have been lucky enough to do a class there she creates this incredible community of women of and men of all different backgrounds and ages and it's a really beautiful place to um just reconnect with yourself i yeah love it i was I've actually been going for the last yeah, three or so years. Oh, and um, really? I go, still going? Yeah, I go. I've had a term off. Sally's been travelling a little bit. But, yeah, I would go. There's, she has a group called the Mudlarks and you go and you um, pot around with whatever you want to work on and there's a really great bunch of women oh, that you chat so to. Nice. Yeah. Um, and you just make whatever you feel like making. That's brilliant. And you know what? It was so nice to do something where you were a beginner again and mm-hmm. I think with 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 pottery I'd say to lots of friends like come and give it a try that oh, I'm not good at that and it's amazing yeah with um creative outlets a lot of people think you have to start like you already have to be talented yeah you've <laughs> got to be talented or people are so critical on themselves and I think pottery I found really therapeutic because um just working with your hands yeah. and it was yeah for me it was really nice to be a beginner again and I'm average at it but I persist and I love it like I it's funny you have, you're either uh, somebody who can center things on that wheel or you're not <laughs> and I'm not and I think poor Sally is a glutton for punishment she would see me come and think oh my gosh Bianca like you've been coming so long why is nothing centered everything um I, I can totally relate it's so much fun though and you know it's funny I, I, I justify it like this but I always there's none of um, well, there's a few, but I won't highlight them. But then, um, <laughs> the, I buy wonky ceramics. I'm drawn you to wonky. Like yeah, wonky I, so while I am trying to make perfectly nicely yeah. shaped cylinders or bowls or whatever it is, I haven't even progressed past that. <laughs> the people I do pottery with are incredible and create the most amazing things. And here I am still. Dion's actually stopped me from bringing home any more bowls because we've <laughs> got so many. So now they all go to the A frame, but. Um, yes, I I found that that was such a nice outlet, yeah. and I've sort well, of. Well, and I think that the by its very nature, like you're getting your hands dirty and you're holding on to that clay, and you're yeah, you know, you're feeling the yeah. It's That's quite right. physical as well. 
as well, I found. Yeah, it You is. know, like, you have to be sitting properly and you have to be quite centred if you find yourself thinking about something else. Everything That's goes with it. That's when the Yeah. <laughs> and I do, yeah, it's so true. And it's, um, I think it's like from whether it's pottery or if you're doing painting, sometimes it is nice to step outside of your own little yeah. creative realm, which can become a little bit work-like. Like, yeah. You know, photography for me, it, it often, there's not many times that I really shoot for myself. I shoot for my clients and I don't really mm. shoot for myself as often as I would like to, often because I associate the camera with work. Mm. So yeah, I've had a couple of projects yeah, on I'm the side though. Can we, can we yeah. kind of uh, yeah. get towards that? Because when before we started recording, um, we were showing these beautiful sunflower photographs and I think a lot of people in the southwest would have seen it and it was you did you tell us about the project yeah. I think it's a beautiful project and I think quite a few people will see it and not actually realize that it was you. it was me yeah oh thank you um yeah and I I think when um I stopped weddings I did have more space for other things and um it was actually when the war in Ukraine broke out and that for me was um quite a personal thing because my family heritage is Ukrainian. Mm-hmm. My grandmother was Ukrainian and they moved to Australia as displaced people at, during World War Two. Mm-hmm. So they were some of those people that just got on a boat and mm-hmm. didn't know what country they were arriving in and arrived in Australia and um, that's, yeah, my mum's side of the family. That's her family's history. And so to see, you know, a war break out, break out there was quite shocking and I thought oh my gosh my grandmother would be horrified that a country that she left in a similar situation that that's happened to a whole new generation of Ukrainians and so I thought oh what can I do and it was funny I had just gone into one of my um, photography clients zest flowers I'd gone in there to do something and they had some sunflowers in there and I just bought one it's funny I don't actually really love the sunflower as a flower mm-hmm. it's not like a flower to actually ever yeah. buy but I bought one this day and I had it and it was just sort of sitting there awkwardly I didn't really have a vase for it and um I was reading something and I, I had noticed like with Ukraine there was lots of um sunflower things I thought why are they keep sharing them looked it up that the sunflower is the national um flower for Ukraine and mm-hmm. so the idea just came to mm-hmm. me that maybe I could photograph this flower and I don't know what I just thought I could do something with it and I started photographing it just in a little studio I made out like a little area in my backyard and then I just needed something else I was rummaging around in my little photography props area (laughs) and found this lace and it was like it was all meant to be that I had lace from something I'd shot with another client and I remembered that my grandmother her house had always had like lace curtains and it was this very European kind yeah. of setup that if you look at a lot of European people's houses they have this like quite tizzy lace and um I grabbed that tizzy lace <laughs> and it did amazing things and I photographed that with my flower and I photographed a series of mm-hmm. this particular flower and I turned them into a gift card set and I promoted that um all the money raised from the sale of them would go to the Red Cross um for their Ukraine appeal and so yeah I donated just over a thousand dollars for um for that project and it was a really nice way to sort of honor my own um family's heritage but use my craft to give back and I think um that was something quite special for Mm me to do yeah a nice marrying of all those things really and they're such beautiful shots too they really are it's just unexpected you wouldn't I really love hearing creatives. I think we're all pretty good at thinking outside of the box. I wouldn't be able to put the, that together and still create a beautiful image. You know, I think it's um, I think it's really yeah. clever. I think it's really soft and beautiful, and it's still something that even if people wanted to, they could put in the frame and pop. Yeah, and it's still. And that was right. Yeah, they were, co- and I'd called them, and it just sort of came to me. It's funny how things like that sometimes do. It was actually just a, it just all just sort of happened. Um, but I called them love letters to Ukraine, and so when they were packaged up, they had a little, um, a little banner sort of band around them that said love letters to Ukraine, and it was also as a way of 
um, giving people the ability to just remember that mm. art of writing a letter, like how yeah. nice it is to. And so I had sort of pitched that as like use this, like while these awful things are happening in Ukraine, use this as an opportunity to write someone you love a beautiful letter and yeah. post it just because, yeah. not because yeah. it's their yeah. birthday or you're sending a thank you card or yeah. just write someone a letter. And um, I'd actually um, just recently received a letter from a got an elderly neighbour at our house in Denmark who she still writes letters and she writes me, we've become like pen pals and oh. she writes me letters and then I've used those cards and sent her one back and I was, just, I was like, oh, how lovely. And so it tied into, yeah, a lot of sort of, yeah, spreading the love in times yeah. where you might feel like you can't do You can't much make more. much difference. Yeah. yeah. But also just, I mean, you know, sometimes those big global global events become so overwhelming and you feel quite helpless but those little things that you can do mm -hmm. locally like yeah you know in your own life write a letter to someone or you know let them know you're thinking of them yeah it's, it is such a beautiful gesture yeah. well actually the work of a dog of, of a dog <laughs> let me start again the work of a photographer is to document moments in time and I feel like that project was ah it you know when something big happens and it's so big that people can't comprehend it so you, even now we don't see it in the news anymore we know it's happening we don't see it but i think the work of a photographer you've always got photographers going to these places whether it's war whether it's a volcano erupting whatever they're documenting and i feel like you took that in yeah. such a beautiful way to be able to document and still remind people and even now like that is still a memento that would still keep people remembering it you know, this is happening in the world and but you're still able to put it on the flip side and find the beauty in that and look at human connection and Yeah. I like I I can't I, when I really <laughs> saw it, I was like, I can't believe that's you. Yeah. I thought it was amazing. Oh, thank so you. I think, um, and that's a really nice point yeah. actually, that you've documented it in your own way. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And it was um for me it was actually quite a therapeutic yeah. thing to do. Um and yeah it's funny the people like far and wide that bought you know people from um overseas bought those mm -hmm. cards mm -hmm. that um I was like oh hold on I don't know how my website deals with international <laughs> postage I didn't think anyone outside of Dunsborough was gonna buy these yeah. so this it was just local yeah <laughs> how nice though it was really lovely and um with lots of people yeah that's right yeah. so no that was a really nice project and I think um giving yourself space to do that sort of thing mm -hmm. and then how you feel after you, you do something like that is actually really heartwarming. It's the same as I keep channeling. I'm looking at another project mm -hmm. I did many, many years ago um, when I was in the grips of wedding photographer land. Um, a group of photographers and I decided to have an exhibition of female photographers. and yeah. um, I, I went to that exhibition. Yeah. It was awesome. I it forget was what year gallery, that was. It? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It must have been about 2016 or 17. But we um, we all, we did an exhibition under the name of Through Her Eyes, I think it was. And there was about four of us and we all photographed different things. And my actually... One at the time was I had a series of photos that I collaborated with other artists who drew on my um, photos. Mm -hmm. And so I worked with um, Ian March, did a series of his mm -hmm. beautiful little characters over some of my photos. I actually photographed his children and then he drew the characters mm -hmm. into some drawings of his kids and also one of my son. Um, and I that one that I've got here in my studio is Samari Higgins, who oh, yes. she's yeah. also an incredible artist. People might remember her. She does those um, the little boards. those shapes, yeah. yeah, on chopping boards. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. And she does um, the ink on the paper. Yeah, and I don't think she's doing that anymore. But she was incredibly gifted, and she now teaches yoga. Um, found her creative outlet in other ways, mm. but I've got a bit of her art throughout my house. But um. That was really nice to say to people, like, here's yeah. a photo, what, like, draw on it. And it's, that's I think something... sometimes the collaboration idea, it brings something else out, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Um, and that was really enjoyable and something I'd love to revisit more Was it of. just Samari and Ian and, that you um, did that And Katie Shepherd, who's now oh, Katie yes. yeah. Moore, her last name. But, yeah, local, um, 
she's a dancer. She's dance, a dance teacher and, and yeah. also does some beautiful illustrations and she's actually done a whole heap of illustrations on the walls up at my kids' school that are beautiful. And, oh, wow. Yeah, in a similar style to how she did yeah. with me. She drew, I had a photo of my son and she drew these incredible wings on him like he was this otherworldly little so, creature. Bianca, just from a technical point of view, have they have they done this on top of the photographic print? Or? So, yeah, we um, they were all different. Um, that one is actually that particular piece of artwork was photoshopped over the top of yeah. my um, image, but Ian Much's were actually hand-painted on, on top of the photograph. Yeah, and yeah. we've experimented with a few things. I experimented with printing one of my photos onto plywood yeah and then he painted onto plywood and yeah. um he has one of the, that original in his house oh, and he? um the other one sold so yeah. yeah oh that was it was such a good project have you got any of those other creative projects that have been the pipeline yeah well the um the few little prints that you've got behind you i have now been playing with um myself painting over some of my oh, oh my god photos <laughs> you guys have got the paint yeah, so I'm not sharing this space with you because it's semi, it's half garden shed, half Bianca's messy little zone. <laughs> oh, it but sounds like the just the place we want to get So at the back I have, we've got a little garden shed, which I did when I turned into my, okay, I'm becoming a potter. <laughs> I'm a potter now. I'm a mind. potter now. And then people did have to say, actually, this is a funny story. I was like, I'm I'm a potter now, Dion. I'm buying a pottery wheel. So I did. I bought a pottery wheel. We were on our way to a dinner party and Dion had the platter of the <laughs> olives on my little bowl and because they're all so wonky, he sp they spilt all over him because oh, nothing no. stays flat. And he's like, you're not a pot of yank. <laughs> like, these things aren't meant to spill. And I was like, okay. <laughs> this is meant to be a stable. Yeah, he supports me in many things, but pottery, he's like, just that's a hobby. <laughs> you're not going to make money on that part. And I'm like, fair call. I, yeah. We can't be good at everything. Um, but in that little garden shed, I do. I also have, yeah, paints and things oh, like wow. that that I. So, yeah, the intention is to play actually around with doing a bit of painting or I love typography. Yes, and yes. so playing with like wording um, over the top of things and then maybe finishing it with like a resin and sticking them onto some resin boards yes, with a yeah. bit of this sort of inspiration. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm just showing a little. I suppose it's a little plaster cast. I think, yeah, I think we, you'd almost call it a tile. Yeah, yeah, a tile. Yeah, almost create. Yeah. yeah, anyway, almost a bit of collagey stuff I want to play with. Um, mm. and just sort of for me, I suppose. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, playing. Yeah, that's nice. It's a great place to start with, and your your these photos are beautiful. Yeah, they're, they're they're adorable. I have they're a few. Quite moody. Yes. I have a um so a little yeah a few photography like I have a few little series of photos that are I suppose collections that I don't that one day maybe I'll do an exhibition but I'm really drawn to flower florals but a series of florals in the ocean so mm. I've been shooting flowers kind of floating in the water and underwater and yeah, I just have to pull my little collection together. But, yeah, yeah it's nice to always have something that they, then you get sick of it and then you go back to it and yeah. there's a few little projects like that. I yeah. think it's important to have, pro like, projects in the background, whether you think you're – and I think, actually, not having an end goal is really, really important. And I know we're getting that same vibe from a lot of creatives that we're talking to. It's just very important to have a play and just just – Enjoy yeah. the experience and see how it goes. That's right. Because otherwise yeah. it just can take the fun out of it. It can be too much pressure and it can, having an end goal all the time can really like stifle creativity and, you know, make you feel a bit downtrodden on yourself if you don't reach it or you're not as good as you want to be or, you Yeah. Know. And I think that's probably one of the biggest lessons from how I've approached my you know, from photography to like all those creative ventures, I was never like the most gifted person, mm. but I kind of gave it a good go. And I think you just have to start and mm. you don't have to be. A lot of people that I've met in the creative world are incredible. Like I know some incredible creatives, mm. but they just don't back themselves mm. um, or they don't have people around them that back them. 
um, and that can be really important to yeah, have a, a elements there. Yeah, to, there are yeah, elements. To bring it all together. And and that thing of that having to be perfect to begin with. I think none of us, if we all critiqued our work, you're never happy with it. You could it could always be better, and that stops a lot of people. Yeah. I see I, it from people in pottery, like they probably think. Why on earth are you still here? <laughs> but they're so critical of like, you know, you'll see someone crumple up something that I think, oh my God, if I created that, I would be, you would, would be all be seeing shelf. photos of it. I would just be <laughs> photographing that. And they are so critical of like a little aspect of it all. Mm. And it stops people from um, really making their art into something or or enjoying the process. Yeah, and I think that's really key. And I think as well that, that sense of play. I mean, we've talked about that with a few artists now. It, it's so important to have a sense of play mm-hmm. in what yeah. you're doing. And I think it helps you discover these other things as yeah. well. You know, yeah. I don't know, you know, you might start with an idea with these um, flower photographs in your painting, but it might go somewhere different because you have some mm-hmm. happy accidents. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, you've talked in about those. Of Bob Ross, <laughs> yeah. no mistakes and only happy accidents. <laughs> it's so true. And, and sometimes it just changes your outlook on, you know, yeah. what I think if you have too many ideas about what things are going to mm-hmm. look like in the end, you struggle to get started yeah. and nothing ever really works out how you will think it will especially in the creative space and I think that's sort of across doing this as a business I've really learned that you have to be um willing to let go of that perfectionism because I think it can be quite a good lesson if you've got that little tendency as well I find that especially I mean I've had a tiny little play with mono printing and I mentioned that with Frank I was like to me, it's like it's a mystery of how it's going to turn out. I've got no control over it. And I quite, like, that's really quite liberating because yeah. you're just like, ooh, I wonder what this is going to look like as you pull back another another print. Yes. And it's like, oh, oh, well, that wasn't what I was thinking. But that's amazing. Yeah. But you can't create it again. Well, I can't. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And you know, I love that play. So. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, definitely what I've noticed with photography, that if you stay safe and do everything in the way that you think it's meant to yeah. be or you're trying to sh- photograph the same way as you think that others do. I've noticed that the clients that come to me and are my repeat clients and are the clients that really love my work, they love it for how I see things. Yeah. It's when I try to be safe and I try to do something that mm. is what I think they might expect and maybe out. especially now, Bianca, when everyone's a photographer with their yeah. phone in their hand, like they're, they're actually paying you for your expertise and yeah. your ability to see things and in your a certain vision. way. As an artist. Yeah. Yeah. As a creative, as yeah. an artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. it. And I think having a tough skin in this, in this kind of, um, in these industries is really yeah. important as well mm-hmm. because there's always going to be someone who goes, I don't like that. And... You can't take that personally. It's like okay. It's, yeah. it's okay. You don't you have to like everything. No, <laughs> and you're not trying to appeal to everybody. And I think when you let that go, mm-hmm. um, it's it's fine. You yeah. know, I have lots of friends come into our house and they're, they're not really creative in the same way that I am. And they'll go like, oh, God, what's that? I don't <laughs> like that. Yeah, I get well, lots well, of raised eyebrows in my house too, yeah. actually. And even, um, yeah, even my kids sometimes. Yeah. Like, that's mum. What's that photo? I don't like that. Or, you know, sometimes even taking on there, like I might be editing something and the kids will come in and they'll say, oh, I don't like that. That's too dark, mum. And I'll be like, oh, oh, okay. Well, I've, you know, take a little bit of their feedback and go, actually, you're right. That probably was a bit dark. I'll lighten that up a little bit. Or, and I think that's sort of, um, yeah, if you can... If you cannot take yourself too yeah. seriously, it yeah. definitely helps you, mm-hmm. um, your mental health working in these yeah. sort of... Because you, you do, by putting anything out there, you put yourself out open to criticism and... Yeah, you've mm-hmm. got to be vulnerable. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for chatting to us. Yeah, I feel like we could talk more and more, of course. Oh, my God, but... yeah, I could, <laughs> yes. So, no, it's a good time to yes, <laughs> stop yeah. me. I just feel like, you, you know, taking on your your point of view as a creative and I think it's a really good message to leave on is to have fun, 
don't take yourself too seriously. Mm. Try different things and, and push yourself a little push bit. Push yourself. Yeah. So and actually, one you. of the um, I will after you said we'll wrap it up. Like, Hold on, <laughs> one more thing. But one of the when I very first started out with photography and invested in doing some courses, an incredible photographer Dan O'Day, his words have always stuck with me. He, and it was so simple, but I've just carried it through my business, and that's like take good photos but be kind and then keep taking better photos but still be kind and I just think it's just such a good Mm -hmm. way to go through life whether Mm -hmm. whatever you're doing is just um do as good a job as you can be as good at your craft as you can but be kind be be humble and I think when you yeah it goes a long way Mm -hmm. and be kind to yourself too because yeah that's part of it yeah (laughs) I think we're all really good at beating ourselves up for mistakes yeah. or not reaching a goal that we wanted to or anything like that. I'm still learning to, yeah. you know, be kind to myself. So I think that's a really good yeah. spin on that too. So it is. So so we'll leave you on the be kind note, yes. everyone. Um, <laughs> Thanks for those who can't see the studio, we're gonna pop some pictures up with or pop all the in pop <laughs> put all the information up um about Bianca's work. Yeah, we'll put um, a few links as well if yeah. any of you are hoping to check out Deep South Denmark mm-hmm. or anything else. Yeah. <laughs> the links will be there. There will be no links to my pottery, so <laughs> <laughs> we will find them. <laughs> we'll find a wonky pop to photograph. <laughs> awesome. Thank uh, you. Thank so you. Yeah.